Hello, and welcome to the Black Archive. Can I just say that's a terrible impression? Hello, and welcome to Into the Black Archive. <laughs> We're doing the Ice Warriors. If you, if well, I imagine you wouldn't have figured that out from that impression. Uh, <laughs> it was it as bad, bad as he says. <laughs> You're like, I'm James. Weird. You put like a weird accent on it for no reason. They didn't prep to really. Like, you need to sound Holloway, but you just kind of went. Sh- I can't. I like, can't really. do a hollow voice. My, my voice is too full. Shall, shall I have a go? Yeah, go on, have a go. I'll review it. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I had an extra S for no reason. Hello. 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 You just sound like you sound like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you just sound like I'm having a nightmare. Right, are, you, are, you sure that, are you sure that isn't just how I sound normally? Just a different kind of nightmare. Okay. Uh, yes, so hello and welcome. Uh, I'm James, I can't do impressions. He's Owen, he can't do impressions. And we are... Welcome. Re- yes, welcome. And we are reviewing um, the second story we've got of season five of Classic Doctor Who which is the Ice Warriors, a great big six-parter that confirms global warming is not what we need to worry about. It's global cooling. Yes, and hello to welcome to In for Black Archive, since we didn't say the name. Hello. I said it literally at the start. Did you not hear it? Did you? I was yeah, too distracted. I, I, I did just, it in... Um, I was so distracted by your terrible voice. I did it in the terrible voice that I did it normally. Oh, sorry, I, got, I, I was obviously too, too hung up on your um, terrible impressions. Does it really have that much of an effect? It's terrifying. Yeah. It's temporary amnesia. So, <laughs> just produces amnesia. Um, <laughs> am I like the darn, um the colony then? Am I just like doing amnesia in your sleep? But it wasn't amnesia, actually, wasn't it? It was um, hypnotherapy. Yeah. Like, ah, similar enough. I wish it did give me amnesia this episode. Yeah, potentially. But we can talk about that as we move on. So... The Ice Warriors uh, is a great big six-part Patrick Trout and Doctor Who story um, involving um, much of the same things that we've gotten used to in recent Doctor Who. Uh, we've got another base. We've got more kind of aliens out, being re-uncovered. Out of any interest, is that base under siege? It's not like... It's under siege from a glacier, I suppose. <laughs> it's not quite as under siege as the other ones, but I'd say it's sort of under siege. We're close. We're close to making close sure enough. we keep the pattern of half of these episodes. Like every single thing is a base under siege. It's just because it's easier to build a base on the set, so we all know it. Yeah, it's, it's money, isn't it? Let's be honest. Exactly. Here. It's just a production choice that we're, we're kind of stuck to bases. And goodness me, you wonder why, um, you know, you wonder why in Series 3 they just put it all on Earth. So not series three, Doctor Three. So James, what did you think of um, this this adventure? <laughs> this adventure, uh, I think it's all right. Is is the best way to say it? I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but also I don't think it's particularly bad either. It's kind of in the middle. It, it does the job, it's although what- it is a bit long. It's one of those episodes which I feel like are a filler between the standout ones, isn't it? It's one of those ones which is, a bit. isn't dreadful, but equally you can tell it's kind of their middling episode where they don't really want to spend loads of money on it because they've got their other big big headliner episode, so to speak. 
Although it's interesting you say that because to make an episode six parts is quite a big step. Yeah, but if you think about it this way, that's still just one set. They don't that need to go. True. They don't need to go through find new cast members. They don't need to find make the set again. Don't need to find new writers. They don't need to do any of this extra legwork. And let's be honest, I think there's only one bit of outside filming going on. Yeah, and I mean, there's the stuff with the bear, but I always presume that they sort of got that off of archives of a nature documentary or something. Yeah, I think I think they did record the people outside, but I think the bear definitely was an was a sort of a stock footage scenario. Yeah, I thought it was, which is fine. I mean, that was the way things were produced back then. But yeah, like you're saying. It's just kind of an average episode that isn't bad and does introduce a pretty good villain. Yeah. I don't think it's as good as they wanted the villain to be. Mm, maybe, but it's they, all right. This is one of their villains which they wanted to continue the mantle which the Daleks left behind since their official last episode was last season. Mm. And I don't quite feel like they felt that solid. At the moment, I think you sense that there's a bit of a power vacuum in that sense. Yeah. Like, with the Daleks gone, you're almost... Because, like, the Cybermen have happened, and there's been a couple of good Cybermen episodes, sure, but the Cybermen have never been the main villain. It's kind of been an always the bridesmaid, never the bride situation with them. And then the Ice Warriors, which is, if you'd guessed it, the villain this episode introduces, um, are kind of in that block with, like, the Sontarans and the Zygons and things. It's like, yeah, they were decent out of the classic series and have all kind of been shown again in the modern, but aren't seen as vintage in that way. Yeah. I, I think the issue which they have is that they're trying to manufacture something which came quite organically with the Daleks. The Daleks were never meant to be this big thing. In fact, it ne- nearly didn't get made because of they. Mm. Sydney Newman at the time didn't like them. Exactly. But it still... But it feels like they're trying to manufacture this big baddie kind of picture which doesn't really work for me yeah i agree because the thing with the daleks is it's lightning in a bottle isn't it the idea of having like a pepper pot which is what essentially a dalek is working as a villain is just kind of it happens or it doesn't and you can't really predict it so it's hard to do it's hard to try and get the same reaction in a more manufactured way because that's something that the daleks you can't really recreate and the problem that some of the problems this episode has are down to the villains feeling a bit just not as scary as the Daleks although they have the same ruthless streak however they do the villains did annoy me their way of speaking is just I can can see where they were going with the whole sort of like as we were attempting to to Mickey take it for the beginning with all this saying like in short doses that would be a fun thing but at every after every line and whatever well they're all talking just constantly going yes i agree i agree yes it's just owen's owen's impressions do not directly represent the views of into the black archive as a podcast but it, it it is for similar sort of annoying hissing sound isn't it which just constantly yeah there. i I found that whenever you had a scene with just the Ice Warriors having a chat about their plans and things, the entire story bogs down because they're speaking at the pace of 
a sailboat on still water in the ocean. Like I can deal with the slowness, but it the slowness and then having that undercurrent of just the constant. S- yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch it with my headphones on, but I sense it would have been like a sort of anti ASMR experience if I'd had my headphones on watching. You have the like panning across your ears. It'd have been like you'd been in some kind of like a reptile house, but with no protection. Yeah, it. I'm not convinced they the villains landed how they wanted them to. Yes, I don't think they're bad, and they have like good points, but we'll get to those as we talk about um, things. Anyway, so shall we start, as always, Owen, on these beautiful classic episodes with the great big fast synopsis of all of this? Uh, <laughs> I, for some That's reason, a reassuring noise. I, for some reason, was not prepared for this. We've done it for various episodes, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so they land once again in... Our TIDUS crew once again land in the snow where they want to come across a base where they're doing scientific things, trying to control something or other, much like how we saw with the moon base. However, things aren't quite going how they seem. They've lost their scientist, but the Doctor can step in. However, one of their other scientist brings in some creature frozen in the ice. The creature comes alive, unsurprisingly, and sees their weather-controlling thingy as a weapon, and things start to go wrong. Yeah, roughly sums it up. I mean, a lot happens after that, but we will get to what goes on in this episode. There's six parts to get through anyway, so we could be here describing the plot for a little bit of time. Quickly on Fetop, because you've just said it's six parts. Mm. Is it just me, or does it feel like they could have shrunk it down a little bit? This is a four-part story. (laughs) There's so much baggage for no reason particularly in the second and third episode, I think one of the issues is a lot of the scenes are very slow and not a lot actually happens, but we spend a lot of time having these slow conversations that don't really advance the plot along. You could have made this episode, this whole story a lot tauter and a lot meaner on the pace without really losing much. There's also a lot of side characters being killed, but then you never really feel anything for them either. Yeah, people like Arden, for example. Yeah. Like Arden's sort of a, a scientist, he goes out um, with Jamie at one point and he ends up getting done in. But you don't really learn anything about Arden. You're more concerned with the people at the base themselves, which we'll get to. And one of them in particular is a really fun watch at certain times. But yeah, there are a lot of characters like that where you don't get a lot of time with them because they've spent more of the script time focusing on things that aren't that important. And so then when they die and they try and build it like it's a thing, you're like... Okay, this is Doctor Who. People die all the time. There's that one particular guy as well. Stark? Stark? Oh, Store. Store. I think you're on about. Yeah. This is the Scottish sort of sounding guy. The Scottish sort of sounding guy. So essentially this story is sort of built upon a futuristic world where the scientists run run everything via a computer, which they sort of seen as like their pseudo-god kind of thing. It yeah, they call commands. it world computer control, and, and that, that decides everything. And this, you've got like this faction of what they call loyalists. So we only ever see one of them, which just feels a bit weird, but moving on. Yeah, Store is that guy. Store is the guy. He goes up to the Ice Warriors and essentially goes, guys, 
guys, I'm on your side. We can help. It doesn't go well. He gets killed. I was actually so happy he got killed because it was starting to really wind me the wrong way. I quite liked that we had a Scottish sounding character because you could tell that like Jamie and him immediately got on, which was very meta and probably doesn't really make sense. But I quite like the fact that Jamie found something that was a little closer to home for him after so long. Yeah. But other than that, the purpose of him in the story, he's kind of just a hindrance. Like I understand what he's there. He's there to set across the picture of how there's sort of like a warring faction for scientists and how we shouldn't always believe scientists and if anyone's not paid any attention to the Brexit debate in here in the UK, you'll know which around the time of Brexit, there was a big thing about how oh, we've had enough of experts. And that mm. line is said more than a few times in this episode. I mean, that's still going on now yeah. even for things that aren't Brexit. Uh, but he just kind of really grating, like he's doing obviously stupid things for like seemingly no reason. Yeah, I think I think the script makes a, a, a mistake, really, because if it's trying to paint the scientists and the as being sort of two sides of the same coin, which I think is what it's going for, the problem is they paint the the, the loyalist as basically just being dumb because they, they don't understand science, and it's like, well, actually, you could give them other intelligences that maybe aren't scientific, you know, make them very very useful with the land without just saying he knows it. It's also they make it. Like, as you say, they're trying to show the two sides of the coin. But the scales are so unbalanced because you've got this massive team of scientists, which both of the things have got like the moral argument about how we need to keep society going, keep society alive. And then we've just got this one guy. Yes, he's got a partnership with, what's his name? Pal? Pal? Penley. Penley. Penley, yeah. We'll Pen- get into Penley. Penley. We've got his buddy there, but he's sort of a scientist. He kind of become disaffected. But you can't kind of think this two-sided thing is very one-sided. And what yeah. we see of it, the loyalist, is just him doing obviously questionable things and just dismissing everything because they're of by a scientist. I think it's one of the it's one of the things that that leads me to have the opinion that the the episode is only all right because some of the things they try with characters to try and go with this theme of computers versus humans and risk versus no risk is actually good. It's just the application of it isn't as good as they're hoping it to be. And so you get some of these errors where you feel like they're not quite doing their own idea justice. So it's not. So it's a pretty good idea. It's just not executed as well as you'd hope at times. Yeah. Shall we... Sorry, I keep sidetracking. Shall we actually go on for characters and discuss... Yeah, let's go our, for it. Discuss our main trio here. Exactly. Where where do you want to start? I fancy talking about Victoria Waterfield. Okay. Uh, because Victoria Waterfield, um, I'd say this is the most she's had to do yes. in the story so far. Uh, because she very quickly gets uh, captured by the Ice Warriors, pretty much in the start of episode two of this. The issue is, yes, she does have a lot to do, but everything that she does do is things we've previously seen her do. Yes. Because, like, yes, yes, she's very heavily involved in it. She she spends a lot of time with the Ice Warriors. But she's also captured, much like what happened in our introduction to her in Evil of the Daleks. Much mm. like what sort of happened in Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah. And it's getting a bit one-notey at this point. Victoria's role in the stories, as far as I can tell, is bait. Constantly, yeah. 
she's just sort of the princess peach of the whole thing. Uh, and the the idea, I mean, the and the idea is just to go and save her all the time, because she ends up with the Ice Warriors, and it's a smart script decision to put Victoria there because we get to learn about the Ice Warriors through her, which works and gets you a good introduction to them. But at the same time, they don't use Victoria's character to really enhance the relationship on that end. For example, if it was like Barbara in this situation you would maybe get a bit more of a back and forth about why they were motivated the way they are, whereas Victoria was just sort of asking the questions, then they're like, and this is it. Yeah, I, I feel like if, if Barbara was in this situation, she'd be attempting sort of like manipulate things behind the scenes. Yeah, she well, would try to get to their emotional side or find an angle, whereas Victoria was just kind of, oh no, the whole time. Essentially just screaming. Yeah, it's... Look, I, I'm as... I want Victoria to be a good character... As much as the next person, mainly because um, she is shockingly pretty. It's, it's kind of disconcerting. They're like, what? <laughs> but, you know. Outside of that. Outside it, of that, the character's not very strong. Yeah, it's just getting a little bit boring. We're just repeatedly getting these same, honestly, just these same characters, really. Because we had it before with Susan. We've had it with Vicky. We've had it with Polly to some extent. It's just endlessly the same problems over and over and over again no matter what screenwriters we've got whatever doctor we've got whatever production team we've got we're still getting these just screamy peach as you say earlier princess peachy characters and it just seems to all being summed up in victoria yeah victoria is kind of the distillation of all the issues because she's got out of the screaminess of susan the kind of timidness of vicky and then if you're comparing to dodo and polly that kind of not sure what to do with inconsistency in the character, there is one thing they gave Victoria, which is, I mean, we've seen it before with Susan, where it's kind of worked, which is to try this whole love interest angle, because I think there's a lot of implication in this episode that they're trying to set Victoria and Jamie up. I didn't see that. You didn't see that? No. Oh, I saw it clear, clear as day. Like they were obvi- In that first episode, they're obviously... There's a bit of dialogue from Jay. There's a little bit of dialogue from Victoria. And the way they act when the others are mentioned, you can tell that that's deliberate from the actors. Mm. For me, anyway. And I actually think it helped the episode, if that is what's happening. Um, because it gives a different angle to what Jamie's saying. Because Jamie's the one who's very pushing about saving Victoria. And so that gives him a motivation on its own. Yeah. Which is different, perhaps, because obviously um, the whole thing with Clint is he's like, well, the girl's insignificant because we have to focus on um, everything else. So we're talking a lot about Jamie. So shall we move on to Jamie? Yeah, let's go straight on to Jamie, Um, which is usually a much happier thing to talk about because Jamie's pretty much good all the time. Yes. He didn't do much this time around, though, it feels like. Yeah, he was kind of on the side of the story. In this episode, it seemed like Victoria sort of had more to do with the main narrative this time, which is okay. Because Jamie spends his time trying to get um, Victoria back at the start once we recognise that the Ice Warrior is there and has taken her. um, Ends up with a guy called Arden. They're searching, find an Ice Warrior. Um, Doesn't go well, (laughs) I think is the the phrase. Arden dies and Jamie's paralysed for a bit. Uh, he ends up getting rescued by Penley and he meets him and Store. Store's Scottish, he's Scottish, they have a moment. Then he gets dragged back through the snow on a raft. <laughs> so for, for sort of two episodes, he's pretty much, he is immobile. Yeah. 
He's still funny. Yeah, I I just don't feel like he was used as effectively as possible. I agree. I kind of felt like he got sidelined a bit and I'm not quite sure whether there was enough stuff there for him to be sidelined for mm. because I feel like the story was already lacking and to take away your best companion on a story which is already lacking is a little bit questionable. There was a clear attempt, I think, in the whole script of this to try and split people off into three parts and kind of split the team apart. But the problem is the team on its own do have weaknesses because Victoria on her own is not very engaging. Jamie on his own kind of felt separate from the narrative. And then, yeah, you've got the Doctor on his own doing Doctor stuff, but then that kind of becomes one note because we're starting to have this issue where the Doctor is way too intelligent again. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of too easy and you don't feel however, stakes in the story. However, let's go going on for Doctor then. The Doctor does cock up here. Yeah, he does. Which I think is a bit of a counterweight to you saying which is too clever. Because at the end, essentially, to try to combat the, um, the Ice Warriors, he decides to send essentially a sonic pulse, which he believes will disrupt the Ice Warriors, but leave humans completely fine, essentially give them a slight headache. Yeah, it pretty much it works turns, the opposite way. Yeah. So maybe he... The issue is, though, is yes, he does cock up, but we don't hang on that. Mm. Like, it's never mentioned again, really, is it? No, because it, it, it's kind of a difficult balance to play where your hero has to be good, by and large. So when they mess up, you almost do have to run it under the carpet. But at the same time, if you don't ever have them mess up, it'll be unbelievable. Particularly when you've got the Doctor, which is the one person who carries on all the way through this. You can have the Doctor screw up. I mean, we've had it before. Think about Wars of Mars, where he, where the Doctor saved, what's her face? Adley Brooke, yeah. Adley Brooke. He cocked up there, and Adelaide Brooke made him realise that. And we had some impact to it, but we just don't hear. Yes. There's no even... Like, he barely says sorry. Yeah, I think I think the Troughton Doctor, in comparison to the Hartnell Doctor, there's, there's a little more um, complacency. Yeah. The first Doctor was just very much straight-on intelligence. This one here is very much more scatterbrainy intelligence, isn't it? Yeah, I fully agree with you. It's it's the same as the first Doctor is an engineer and the second Doctor is more of a academic. A bumbling scientist. Yeah. They're both intelligent, but they're very, very different ways. The Hartnell Doctor always seemed to know and understand processes, mm -hmm. which is, I think, more to do with the fact that I think we've kind of detached from the way Doctor Who started, which was obviously as an educational programme to some degree, and now it's turned into more of a, well, it's a sci-fi show. Um, so it may be losing that educational aspect. And Troughton fits that because at the end of the day, he can just be intelligent and you don't really have to know why. But he's also complacent in the sense that you get times where it just seems that he doesn't really care about the human cost or the life cost of his decisions. He's just like, oh, you know, go on then. Yeah. And things are kind of brushed under the carpet. Yeah, I feel like if they had some sort of ramifications for that cock-up, it would have been a lot more impactful. Mm. Instead, it is just kind of brushed under and they get the chance to save it. I like the fact it's in there because if you're talking about the idea of taking risks and sometimes it doesn't pay off, the Dodger took a risk and it didn't pay off. So it showcases that sometimes it doesn't happen, but you still have to take them. And it did, even then, sort of work because it got rid of the Ice Warriors. 
yeah, it sort of half worked. Yeah. Even though Not it didn't work as intended. Though. Yeah. No. But I think it works in the narrative because it suits the main theme. And it's nice to see a Who episode because there, there's few and far between that you feel like you can really detect the theme and it's quite strong and you know how the characters revolve around it. Because when you see how that, the, there's a good script there. As you were saying off when we were discussing it, because we've had loads of technical issues this episode, mm. um, you were saying how it only really cares about that theme in that sixth episode. Yeah, before that, it, it seems a bit... I think the best way to describe the episode, um, and then we'll get into the proper plot of this, is that it has a lot of things it wants to say, but it doesn't really figure out the best way to say them or the best structure. And as a result, the first few episodes feel kind of aimless. And it only starts to pick up focus later on once the theme kind of... It comes more into focus late on, but it does feel a little bit like an afterthought. It works as an afterthought, but could have been better. It just doesn't help the general slow feeling of this episode, does it? Yeah. So sh- shall we start then with the slow episode? Because there's really not a lot that happens, I'd say, in the first two or three episodes that's super big. It's kind of a slow burner, and that's saying it nicely. Yeah, so... I'm not, in an odd way, I'm not sure I agree with it on the first episode because we do get the nice sort of settling in. We get the introduction of the cast. We bring in the concept of there being an ice warrior in the ice. We bring him in and we kind of get to know the lay of the land, get to know the context, which I think it does reasonably well. It works well as a prologue. Yeah, I think it's, I think the main problem is what happens after it. But shall we set the scene for everybody? So... Doctor and Jamie and Victoria arrive to a Earth in the far future where there are bases across the world that are trying to contain glaciers because we're in a new ice age, pretty much. Yeah, so essentially, we found humans found a way to manufacture food without plants. So we got rid of all the plants and built homes on top of all the land where we did plants, which then led to the world freezing, which I'm fairly sure we now know is the opposite of what will happen. But we can ignore that fact. Yes, because, well, it, it, you'd get into science that I'm, I don't want to speak on because I know I'll say it wrong and someone will call me out. Uh, but yeah, there's we, something in that that might not be right. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell, it was the 60s. We'll go with it. Yeah, uh, we'll go with it. Um, so they're using ionisation to heat up the world to stop these glaciers coming through. There's some sort of technical hitch. Don't really think the technical hitch is initially discussed. They find, an, they find, as I was saying, they find the ice warriors in the ice. They bring them back to the base. They cook it up, and then it defrosts and comes back alive. Boom! And that pretty much is the episode. Yeah. Um, there was a the guy who finds it is Arden. Yes. Um, who we meet, and Arden's got this kind of arrogant streak, um, which doesn't serve him well because then when he dies, like two episodes later, no one really cares. <laughs> I think that's the main issue, though, isn't it? Which no one. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. When people die in this, no one gives them monkeys. Yeah, so why it really we... is just kind of a. There we go. Let's move on. So why should we, as the audience, give a monkeys if the people who know these people in theory don't care? Yeah, they don't. They don't get given a reason. I think a lot of what that comes down to is the tone that's set through this episode by the base commander. Yes, listeners, we have another base commander. Um, oh, do we? Yes. Although this this base commander seems much more trusting of the Doctor more quickly. That's slightly different. 
Yeah, if he, he essentially realises that the Doctor's probably smart enough and realises it because he checks everything the Doctor does through their magical, holy bow down to the computer. Yeah, um, this is the issue with this episode, but we'll get to that. Um, so they realise the Doctor can be trusted very quickly. He's in need of a scientist, so he essentially adopts the Doctor. But then the issue is everything which he says and does gets put through the computer, which leads into a screaming match about why do we care about the computer? And the audience is just sat there going, why are we even bothering with this computer now? I'm just bored of yelling over it. Yeah, Clint's, Clint, the leader character, his entire thing is to yell. He's just, he is on the verge of a mental breakdown in every scene. And he treats people like shit. <laughs> yeah, that's where you were saying earlier about how I don't know if it was as we were recording. You, you said which you found Victoria potentially a little bit grating when at times trying yeah. to describe the engine and all that stuff. But and that was, was mainly because Clem was pushing her. And I was saying which no, Clem was treating her like crap. Like of course Victoria's not going to notice and have a breakdown. Yeah, I think the best example of this is uh, Miss Garrett who is the operator of the Ionizer, which is the big MacGuffin of this episode. Um, Every time something is wrong, Garrett gets it both barrels, uh, as does everybody else, really. And then when the the defence goes to Clint, well, why aren't you doing it? He just goes, ah, but it's the computer, it's the computer, it's the computer. And so you get this character that pretty much has no substance and is just kind of a screamer. Works for the theme, but not very fun. Yeah, ironically, I think... What's his name? I'm so bad with names, I apologise. Um... Penley. Penley. Penley yeah. repeatedly mentioned things like, oh, he's got a printer circuit board as a heart. His head is just transistors. Of that sort of thing, mm. referencing the fact which everything he does needs to go through some sort of computer and he just follows it blindly. Which is good itself for wear, but my God, does it push it too far. Mm. It's It does get to the point of parody, especially towards the end when we're sort of using deified terms to, d- to describe um, the computer and it's almost like a godlike figure particularly for Clint who just seems to have given up all semblance of decision making for him there is nothing he is basically just a messenger of the machine yeah which I think generally is the issue of this episode yeah it kind of overblows that and makes him into more of a cartoony character I mean by the end he's almost maxable like yeah, and not in but a good not way. Not in the fun Max. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not in the kill, kill, kill way. Can't we? Instead of having bases all the time, can we just have a character who wants the secret to, of the transmutation of water into gold? Metal into gold. Of course, it's metal into gold. Why do I keep on saying water into gold? <laughs> I don't know. But every single time, I'm gonna have am a I just like confu- I'm confusing metal into gold? It's Christmas time, listeners. Uh, metal into gold to water into wine. Thinking about Jesus. Do you, do you think about Jesus often? <laughs> ah, God. Um, for so, alienate half our audience with that. Yes, um, let's carry on. Ice Warrior the, wakes up. The issue is, I think we've already discussed most of this stuff just out of order. <laughs> sort of. Um, yes, the Ice Warrior wakes up and Victoria finds them. That doesn't go well. And so they take Victoria. Yeah, and then... Yeah, they, so they, the Ice Warrior's name's Varga. Then the Ice Warrior and Varga and Victoria go off to wake up the other Ice Warriors. So they've already carted off. 
Um, at some point, Jamie and Arden go out to look for them. So that's those yeah, two. Yeah, pretty much after that. And the doctor is behind being shouted at about and shouting about computers. And that is essentially where we end this episode. Yeah, not a lot happens in this episode at all. I mean, there's also a bit of an explanation about what Penley is and what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Penley and Store are kind of on the side of the narrative at this point. Yeah, because Penley was essentially that scientist which the doctor is pseudo replacing. Yeah, because he sort of defected. Is Penley because he defected because he had enough, as we were saying earlier, about first stupidly over reliance on our God computer. So he leaves. So he leaves. And he kind of floats about outside doing stuff. And then he yeah. comes back. He finds Jamie, f- takes Jamie back. They have an argument for no apparent reason, which I can see. They get stunned for no reason, which I can see. And then the episode ends. Yeah, Penley, Penley ends up heading back for the first time because Storr is kind of dying, isn't he? Oh, yeah, no, because there is a um glacier ice slides what's the word avalanche avalanche yeah ice slide (laughs) yeah avalanche might call it ice slide it sort of works uh yeah and that basically puts saw in a pretty bad shape and that's the only reason penley goes back and i have to say that one of the things i like about this episode is penley and the way his narrative's handled Mm -hmm. i think it's one of the stronger aspects penley's a good character yeah also, this is a bit of an Easter egg. Do you know who plays him? No. Uh, his name is Peter Salas. Do you want to know what Peter Salas is very, very famous for? No, please tell me. Peter Salas is the voice of Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. Oh. <laughs> so Penley is Wallace. <laughs> of all things, one of the weirdest crossovers between bits of British culture you'll ever see. I mean, he's totally not Wallace in this, but he's very good. (laughs) Yeah. And I like the way that the character's written to... He starts in one place and has a genuine arc, and his arc is relevant to the theme. It's exactly what you want out of a side character. Pretty much textbook. Goes in, is convinced to help again, and then finds a new purpose. The issue is it just takes too long to get there. Yes, it does. (laughs) But so does everything else. And by the fact, I'm going to make a guess here and say which this episode is probably around 30 to 40 minutes. And I generally don't know where else to go. Because Mm. I think we've covered everything out of order, but we've covered pretty much everything at this point, haven't we? Yeah. Penley gets back to store, gives him some medicine. And meanwhile, Vargas gets the other eyes. Excluding just us reading out for plot point, which there's not much point of us doing. Yeah. I don't think there's very much else for us to say about this episode. Yeah, episode three uh, is mainly just getting the other Ice Warriors going. Yeah. And then episode four is for Doctor getting captured. And then episode... Deliberately. Yeah. (laughs) And then... And then the conclusion, which we've already discussed largely. Yeah, there really isn't a lot. I mean, the main things that I'm trying to think of that now happen in three... Uh, Arden gets killed, Jamie gets um, paralysed, and that's when Penley has to take this kind of hero ship role. Um, Jamie and Storr have their meeting, which I think is in episode four, where they're both Scottish and it's really nice. Uh, Do you remember Penley dragging Jamie back? 
Yes. And they fight, they're seen as fighting a bear. Yes. That's something that happens. Yep. And it doesn't pay off. I'm going to say this right now. As much as I've liked the way Penny is, is written, that is some revenant shit. <laughs> You're saying that the scientist who struggles with the outdoors is able to, to walk through basically an ice tundra, w- dragging a man on a raft while fighting a bear. To be fair, I think he's set up as being used to the outdoors now because he's been what is called a scavenger for a while. All right, and but that's still a lot. I don't think he fights for bear, really. He just shoots it, doesn't he? Um, hmm. June, shall I give you a hint, a helpful tip for life, since we're kind of in fulfilling ground now for this episode? Yes, because there's really not much more to say. Do you know, if you are in a situation where they're in a forest with bears, do you know what you need to do? What do you need to do, Owen? Um, so you need to, every time you're going to go around a blind corner, is clap. And what will happen if you clap? You startle the bear and it runs away. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they, you ever used that? No, because I haven't been over there where there's bears. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not really bears in England. No, but I just thought, you know, we're filling and that's a fun fact, I know. So yeah, if you ever go somewhere where there's bears <laughs> and your guide starts randomly clapping at corners, now you know. Another life lesson I learned from this episode is if there are nasty evil aliens, don't think that you can talk them round. Yeah. That's the store problem uh, because that's what store does. He's like, oh, don't worry. I've got it. I'll go to the Ice Warriors. I'll chat them round. It'll be fine. Within about 30 seconds of the conversation starting, he lies dead on the ice. So yeah. that went well. Because you said, did, did, you sort of said Storr was a bit of an annoying character to me. Yeah, he, he said... Why'd you find that? He's just... I think it's everything which I've already mentioned about him. He's... He's just so anti-something. Which even when that thing he's anti makes a good point or gives a good contribution, hmm. he just hates it for no reason. It's, yeah. It's this thing which we see in political debate now in v- around the world like all the democrats slash republicans do this now we must hate them all oh, they did this good thing but we still hate it because they have something to do with it it's yeah. that same sort of thing it just irritates me and my god did store take it to a new level just like all oh, this medicine which might save jamie's life the scientists made it we don't like it yes it's it's a bit anti-vax Best way to describe it. We do not like that fence medicine. Don't give it to him. Because it's made by scientists. <laughs> but store, it's safe and effective and gives you 75% immunity. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, James? I think we can bring this episode to a close. We're just circling back on everything now, aren't we? <laughs> so, yeah, so I think... I think we're going to call it for an end here. Sorry, it's a bit... I'm going to make a guess here. It's going to be a bit of a short episode because we had so many... Not just, honestly, this is a six-parser, but nothing happens in it. It, <laughs> it's, we had technical issues. We have the episode where not much happens. There's not much for us mm. to talk about. It's, it's a very, it's a bit of a hodgepodge of an episode on the dotty side, because it's kind of a four-parter stretching to six parts, with very slow pace, some nice character work, some nice bits, the villain's okay, but it kind of all adds up to this really average experience. And goodness me, the, the snake voice is a bit grating. So, 
So, James, how how, how do you yes. rate this episode? Um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna slap bang in the middle, call it five. Yeah, it, it's it's right on the average territory. It's not bad. Like I didn't hate watching it. Is the important thing. I didn't feel like oh god, could I be doing anything else? There are parts which I liked. I think episode six is broadly good. Yeah, to be honest, it's just a shame we have to get through five episodes to get there. Yeah, it's it's a story that could have been quicker, could have been better edited, and they still need to figure out how to use certain characters properly. Yes. But like you were saying before, like you said it was a bit of a filler episode, and it does come across that way, that we're making it on budget constraints, and it does the job. Yeah, it, it's better than us getting, say, Edge of Destruction. Oh, yeah, by my Or heart. Planet of Giants. It's still probably worth a look if yeah. you have time. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, something which we haven't discussed yet. Just a quick oh, thing. Oh, animation. To, I'm just going to quickly say my score, just so we at least keep that in some sort of relative order in this yeah, rambly podcast. Um, oh, I know, it's going everywhere. Um, I'm going to say probably around, agree with you, really. It's a five, really, isn't it? It's, yeah. Like, nothing in it stands out as being particularly amazing. Yes, for episode six is is good, but when you're comparing it against the rest of the Middle League stuff, it's not actually that really not that good. It, yeah. It's good for this, this story, but then does that mean it's good? Um, exactly. The most accurate thing I could say is that a lot of the things that work about the episode have been done better in other ones. Yeah. Like, as I was saying, we've got controlling things to save planet Moonbase. Yeah. Uh, we've got an annoying central character most of last season yeah <laughs> we've got sort of defectors and um there's like another group of people there's environmental stuff there's an alien species that have been frozen or inked literally like two of the side men last week yeah it it feels like elements which have all, already been done before but better yeah anyway shall we quickly talk about the animation and wrap this up yeah, let's quickly talk about the animation, uh, because goodness me, this one's been all over the place. But yeah, uh, episodes two and three are the animated ones. Yes. Out of this story. Were you of the opinion that they looked a little bit cheap? Yes, but equally they were serviceable. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with them as such. It's just that perhaps when you compare it to some of the more recent, like Faceless Ones, even the Daleks, I know that this was a bit older. Yeah. Um. They feel a bit more dynamic, those ones. They pull you into the story. It recreates the story well, but... I think this is one of better. their early animations. They still weren't quite used to doing it. Yeah. Which I think shows. It's the best way to say it. It's not bad, but you can tell they're still kind of trying to work out to get into a rhythm of how to do this stuff. There's not a lot of detail. I think it's the best way to say it with the animation. They're not very detailed. Yeah. They do, they do the job. Literally, everything in this episode is kind of, yeah, it does the job. It'll do. Yeah. And just like this episode, this will do for our podcast. So, yeah, can this episode be called It'll Do? <laughs> so thank you very much for listening to this episode in for Black Archive. Sorry if it's a bit short. Technical issues took up lots of time. And this story just doesn't have much. So we, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed what we managed to squeeze out of it like an orange giving juice if you want to comment on how <laughs> terrible my analogies are feel free to um, what was over that? At, over black archive pod on our twitter or you can email us black at gmail.com 
you can also use those uh, contact details if you want to talk about my impressions, which I remain awful. Um, and of course, remember to subscribe uh, to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, next week, I believe we're talking about more Troughton. I believe it's um, something about the end of the world or the edge of the world. Enemy of the world. Enemy of the world. It's very good. I accidentally watched the first episode. It's very good. Yeah, you have teased this as having like, really good production values. Oh, yes. It, it's got, I'm fairly sure, the first renting of a helicopter. Ooh, that's big for who? Yeah, particularly at this time. But anyway, see you then. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.